Welcome to YesPHX Presents, a 48 Startup production. In this series, the YesPHX community comes together to promote, build, and highlight small business and startups in the greater Phoenix area. Catch the full series on iTunes or YesPHX.com, and be sure to catch the pop-up podcasts at Basecamp at Phoenix Startup Week, February 19th through 23rd. Hello and welcome to Yes PHX Presents. JP Taxman hosts today's episode, an interview with Scott Ferreira, speaker and presenter at Phoenix Startup Week. Scott is managing partner at Command R and CTO at Sourcely. We hope you enjoy today's Yes PHX podcast. So if you see here, yeah, we are. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we are. I didn't see I'm in like an old NASA. See, Virgin Galactic, Scott Ferreira, old NASA space suit. It was an old NASA space suit you were wearing. There's Elon. There's Bill Nye. And there's Elon talking a little bit about the rover landing. Elon again. Come on. And so, yeah, those were the only pictures I guess I was able to grab. Somebody, okay, so tell, somebody wait, else probably has other pictures, but... Tell me that story again, because I, I was messing with this thing. Yeah, it, was, it was soon after we got investment for my social cloud, and Branson had introduced me to George Whitesides, the CEO of Virgin Galactic. And so, you know, in August of 20, 2012, the Mars, Curios- Mars Curiosity rover was landing uh, on Mars, and so JPL had this big event. Uh, JPL is Jet Propulsion Labs uh-huh. of NASA um, in Pasadena, and so we were there for that. And George Whitesides introduced me to Bill Nye really quickly, and then Bill Nye was talking to Elon Musk later on, and so that was kind of the first. So you got introduced to Elon Musk through Bill, Bill Nye, Nye, the science guy, <laughs> very briefly. Yeah, <laughs> who can and say so- that? <laughs> <laughs> so there's the, there's one of the pictures and again I, I forget what exactly he was talking about but real quick going back a second dude, I used as a kid I used to get so excited looking at like the Virgin Galactic stuff in the in, in our little kids magazine oops yeah yeah totally I was like this dude is doing that I thought Richard Branson was the coolest guy in the world <laughs> so somewhere here we actually have Elon Musk dancing in like a hula hoop. But yeah, just every once, once you know, once it happened and it was deemed a success or whatever, you know, everybody was kind of going crazy. That's that's so funny. That's nuts. Okay, so yeah. we're watching videos of yeah of that Scott at this event. See the, the, the two guys dressed up as in their spacesuits and everything. Yeah, it was it was wild. Who put on that part? Oh, JPL, he said? Uh, Jet Propulsion Lab. I forget who actually was putting it on. Mm -hmm. I I think they were, but Virgin Galactic was a sponsor, I think, as well. Um, I mean, there were a lot of different people there from all these different uh, space institutes and everything. (laughs) Little little kitty. Just wants to be a part of the show. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so anyway, it was kind of interesting. Like, that was the first time I was really jumping into uh kind of that world and um it's just funny to look back through these pictures sometimes in dropbox and get a blast from the past all right so tell me a little more about that world 
Like, what was, what was it like getting into that world? Yeah, I mean, everybody. Going from a, how old were you? Hold on. First of all, how old were you when you, when you first started my social Twenty-one. Well, when I started my social cloud, I guess it was technically nineteen or twenty, because um, it just started as a small project in my dorm room at USC, and yeah, kind of went from there. <laughs> kind of went from there. Yeah, kind of just built the company. <laughs> you know, it's cool. <laughs> build it up, so as, it, as, as you do. As you do. As you do. Yeah. As you See, do. I mean, it's fun to look back at some of those. Sorry, we're looking at pictures, which doesn't really help the podcast, I guess, but. <laughs> Blast from the past is what started. But it's cool to look at like, these pictures, you know, yeah. and I could look back at, oh, I did all that. All of our PHP books sitting in the office oh all the time. Oh, my God. How, how much of that do you read? So these thick PHP yeah. books, are like which is a coding language, of just, there's money in one? What's the money about? Is that like... In, in, we were we were using money as placeholders at the time. Uh, just as placeholders. <laughs> we're, we're all in it. We're about to... Hey, they're you. dollar bills. They're not too crazy. There's Maybe a few bills. $2 bills in there as well. <laughs> anyway. That's great. But they're these thick books. And you, how much of that did you read? Uh, I mean, at the time, we were probably reading most of it. Most um, of this thick PHP code. Language. How did you... How do you have like the mental capacity to sit through that like boring? Oh, it. I mean, you really have to want to do that because it is, uh -huh. especially, especially some of that in the very beginning. It's tedious, especially when we were reading through parts of it that we weren't really one hundred percent sure if we were going to use or not. Uh huh. Well, real quick, have you yeah. used any of that stuff that you're? You might not use this now, but have you used any of that stuff later on in your career? Well, I would say that certainly the I ideas and some of the practice you know has been used just the way you think about coding mm -hmm. um so definitely that's been used i mean i personally haven't used php for a few years now mm -hmm. he's primarily ruby on rails oh that's right Express, that's but, right that's what you but i mean php and mysql is what got me started and so it's one of the practices yeah interesting interesting okay so real quick, let's go back a little yeah. further. You were you were thirteen when you right? Is that right? Were you thirteen when you uh, started? Thirteen or fourteen? Open table. Yeah, which is not the the like restaurant reserved. It's like a lot more noble. <laughs> well, and to, and to be clear, yeah, because apparently you know you have to be. It's the open table. Excuse me, which the was open table. yes, a nonprofit helping right. individuals. It was a nonprofit helping individuals and family get back on their feet out of poverty. And so uh, started that because the church I was at at the time, Paradise Valley United Methodist Church, had this thing where every Saturday or Sunday morning we'd go out and give out these care packages to people at uh, CAS, Central Arizona Shelter Services or something. Mm -hmm. And so when, when we were doing that, most of the time, they would take their little care packages and just move on. You know, uh, they really appreciated it, but wouldn't really stick around too much or any of that. And one day, we had this guy Ernie ask us where we were from, asked us if he could come worship with us, and just kept asking us these questions that kind of took us by surprise. Mm -hmm. I think the church had been doing it for a really long time, and this is one of the first times any of them had ever asked if they could come worship with us. And so hmm. had to obviously ask the adult volunteers, and they said yes, and um, we ended up having him to our church, Paradise Valley United Methodist mm -hmm. Church, which was funny because it's in the middle of Paradise Valley. Oftentimes you have these people dressed up in these really nice suits and everything, and yeah. 
this morning, so. here Ernie was in his bright colored like rain jacket. Um, probably one of the first times a homeless person had even stepped foot in the church, which is kind of mind boggling if you think about it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was through that process, we kept bringing him back and we really got to know him and we wanted to help huh. him out of poverty. And so when we, wow. as we were doing that, we realized that there was a model there right. that could be used and scaled yeah. for a lot of other groups. Yeah. So that's where the idea of the table was around Ernie. We had somebody that helped with his finances, with legal, with transportation, with his career planning, all these different things. Wow. Wait, hold on. Real quick. First of all, tell me a little about Ernie. And then after that, get into how did you, like, what was the first thing you did with Ernie? When, when you're trying, when you started that community things, like, cause that's kind of a big leap to really help someone like that. You're really like turning that person's life around because they don't know how to do financial stuff really. And they don't know really how to use the transportation system. Well, but you guys, yeah. you brilliant people can like, be like, Hey, try this. Like who what was the first kind of part? Well, I think the first thing was learning about why he was homeless mm. and why that had come about. And I don't remember all the details anymore, but it was something to do with, he was charged with grand theft auto when he was really young mm. and that had that's a felony and mm. so that had stuck mm. with him his entire life mm. so he was always just doing odd jobs couldn't really sustain a good job had a hard time i mean you can't really get that off your record even if you're you know a minor i think when that happened or whatever God, but that um yes yeah, and, and so that was the first thing was helping him not necessarily get that off his record. I forget if we officially did or not, but worked with him through that. Found an employer that was willing to understand that was like four decades ago. You're a completely and, different person. After yeah. like, I say yeah. after every seven years or seven years, you're like a completely yeah. different person. Seriously. Well, like your cells in your body are, are new. You've like well, formed except for yeah. I think they say like some of your neurons in your brain. Yeah. But aside from that, you're pretty much a completely new person. Like even my like I don't even like who I was when I was like four years, five years ago. I like, I don't like, I look, think about that person. I'm like, I don't really like yeah. you, but I like yeah. who I am now. Like I, <laughs> I turn myself into someone I like a lot more, yeah. but it takes a process. Well, and especially when you're like, like he was, when he was stuck bouncing job to job, stuck in homelessness, mm -hmm. you know, that's really hard to get out of, especially yeah. if you have no support network and his family, his family had, most of it had passed away and was originally from Kansas city or, mm. or something. So he didn't he didn't have a support network out here mm -hmm. and so that's what we were for him mm -hmm. so that's what the table was was every individual that kind of sat around this table with him was a support pillar in some way shape or form uh -huh. right and that's one thing that it's really hard for government services to do because their ratio is like one worker to every 50 homeless or 50 you know uh underprivileged people or whatever right mm -hmm. and so that that's a really tough ratio but mm -hmm. when you flip that mm -hmm. and you have you know seven to ten people mm -hmm. for every one individual or family that's that really flips it on its head so and you're giving so, people a support network 100 percent, really a, kind of all you need in, in a certain sense yeah and so um yeah i mean we proved that flipping it on its head and giving them that support network really helped and John Katoff, the adult who really kind of took it and ran with it, I think he still runs it, uh, runs the day-to-day -day operation. It's used in a lot of different states across the country. Really? I think the, I last, I think the last number I heard, I could be wrong, so don't quote me on sure. this, but I think it's used in like 27 states, and they've partnered specifically with the Department of Economic Security. 
that's what we were trying to do when I was working with it here in Arizona so that we could say, hey, government, we have a model that works. <laughs> Let's find a way to incorporate that into what you do, right? Um, You're so cool, dude. So, yeah. That's what really opened my eyes to business in, uh-huh. in the sense yeah. of you can just will something to be. And your and first thing was going. helping a bunch of people. Like you start off like, "Hey, I'm just gonna help." Yeah, you're a nonprofit. Remarkable. Again, kind of fell into it, but yeah, you know it works. Got a lot of good, <laughs> it does good work. experience. So, other <laughs> just like no nonchalant. You're so like not kind of nonchalant about all this stuff, which is cool, which is awesome. It's very humbling. <laughs> it's a very cool thing about you. It's why I appreciate you're my best friends. <laughs> but like you, the things you've done are spectacular. Honestly, honestly. Yeah, it's kind of. Uh, it's still the roller coaster still goes. So I know, and we'll get into some more of that. We're gonna get into some more of that. But I want to like, I want to take a little turn, okay, and get in because we have some like really good conversations, yeah. and a lot of them around technology, yep. and that's you know a big topic right now. It's something we're very both very passionate about. We end up being around, obviously, obviously, totally. since we're both in tech. Um, so, how do you think the AI robot overlords will affect the world in the next fifty to hundred years? Oh man, can't even begin to can't even begin to really predict that far out. But um, or you just kind of your best guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as you know, I'm a big proponent of ushering in our AI robot. You know, I I've used the term overlords. People seem not to like that as much. <laughs> no, they but, don't. You know, AI robot friends. Friends, I was going to say companions, but even that goes too far, probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's coming. Um, how fast will you know? That that's really tough. Yeah. To know how quickly, because there are some days that it feels like it's coming a lot faster than we realize, and then there are others that are like, I uh, we're pretty far can't away. believe, yeah, we're yeah. still doing this. Yeah. Um, I think an interesting example yeah. was a few weeks ago. Uh, so I have a Tesla Model X, and yes, a few weeks ago I was driving that, yeah, mm-hmm. and a gal blew through a stop sign, and the car mm-hmm. detected that before I could, because it's in this area that's uh, kind of hard to describe, but it's kind of a bypass around Fashion Square Mall. So for anybody that lives in Scottsdale, Arizona, you know that there's this kind of bypass Goldwater Boulevard around around Fashion Square. And and a part of it, you're on the bypass and there's a road that merges into the bypass, but they have a stop sign. But it is a difficult area because at that stop sign, it's a total blind, like it's really hard to see around all these bushes and everything. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't necessarily the problem in this scenario. The Mm -hmm. gal just ignored the stop sign. Mm -hmm. But what's amazing was I couldn't see her coming because of all the bushes and everything. Mm -hmm. But the Tesla could Mm -hmm. because of its, you know, radar and all that craziness. So it gives you another sense sense in a sense. Yeah. And so it was able to detect her coming, detect a possible side collision, and it swerved out of the way, put on the brakes, and stopped. And thankfully Mm -hmm. there was nobody else you know, next to me. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what exactly it would have done if there was somebody right next to me. Mm-hmm. But afterwards it all happened so fast, it's kind of mind you know, I was sitting there and just kind of in a daze as to what the heck just happened. Mm-hmm. And it all happened so fast too. I wasn't sure if 
I was doing something, if the mm -hmm. car was actually doing something, mm -hmm. in the moment I had no idea. Right. And so I decided to reach out to Tesla and yeah. they have phenomenal customer service. And I know, right? I was asking them, I was like, look, I'm fine, the car's fine, but out of curiosity, mm -hmm. can you pull the logs and see what happened? Like, can you see what the car was thinking at this time? Because mm -hmm. they can pull logs remotely. They've had to do it before mm -hmm. for other things. And so they emailed me back and they said, yeah, we were able to pull the logs. We can see that the car noticed, uh, so the Model X noticed the car coming. It initiated what's called SCA, I think side collision avoidance. It's side collision avoidance system. It swerved, it put on the brakes, and then about two or three seconds after, you put your foot on the brake. So what's amazing is it, it showed it's in the logs, yeah, how, how delayed human reaction is. And so it's just that, that to me is the ultimate of, you know, or not the ultimate, yeah. but that is where, that is a step in the right direction of where AI is going to play a big role in just human safety yeah. and yeah. things of that yeah. nature. So real and, quick, I want to go back for a second to the part about where you're talking about Tesla and their customer service. Mm -hmm. And like, that's so amazing that they're like, yeah, we'll pull all our logs for you. Like, Well, and I think, I think they like, especially in those scenarios, Tesla gets so much bad press for yeah. the most ridiculous things, right? Right. And nobody ever talks about when those good things happen, right? Right. right. And so I think they know that the customers are going to be their biggest advocates. Mm -hmm. And so if they can help us, and especially in these scenarios, we're going to talk about it yeah. like we're talking yeah. about it now. And this is a huge business lesson right here. Like this is a prime example of what we're talking about right here of the best form of marketing you can do. Oh, big and time. Get. And yeah. it's just have really good customer service. And and have a great product that, and have a great that product. is worthy obviously. of people talking obviously. about. Because obviously. obviously if that hadn't happened and yeah. I had gotten T-boned, we would be having a very different conversation about how I was T-boned in the Tesla Model X, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, and of course, they've had you know some issues in the past and whatnot. Yeah. But um, you know, it's just amazing that in that scenario in particular, the car took over, did what it needed to, and everybody went on their way. Right. So, and the cool um, thing too is like. You could, they could give you the code, and you could actually kind of understand that a little bit too. Could depending on its code. I don't know. I haven't seen. I can't claim. I haven't seen it. I don't you know. could get the gist though. You know, you could get the gist. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think because it is funny, yeah. I've seen sometimes when it's in yeah. the shop, it'll pull up the like service logs or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And you know, like with a lot of computer programming. The logs are meant to be human readable, right. Right? right? So it's not like you're actually reading too much code per se, yeah. but you're reading some of the log outputs of what the car is thinking or what's going on behind sure. the scenes. And those are those are human readable most of the time these days. That's fascinating. So. Okay, so we're talking about the Tesla Model X. I'm glad you picked this one because uh, it's a great segue. Yeah. You're the man in the Model X. That's your YouTube <laughs> channel. It's yeah. sweet. You're interviewing interviewing some of the most interesting people here at Phoenix and outside of Phoenix. Definitely. Um, I was going to say, we've had people in Phoenix and California and yeah, yeah. Nevada yeah. and even some people that have come in town from London. Uh -huh. so, yeah. Really? But admittedly, we're a little behind. So yes. for those of you that go look up the channel, my house was flooded <laughs> several months ago at this point, but uh -huh. it really derailed yeah. all of the editing. And so I've been I've been pretty good. I've got quite a few videos kind of queued up. Just okay, uh, gotta start getting them back out. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But tell us tell us a little bit about 
oh, tell us a little bit about the ultimate vision of the man in the Model X, mm-hmm. and maybe if you're comfortable with it, the look you've got going on, because it's cool. Look, it's calculated. Man. I know, <laughs> I know you. It's <laughs> um, brilliant, and I do too. If you want to talk, you don't have to talk. Yeah, about yeah, that. no, I can. I, so, as far as ultimate vision goes for Man in the Model X, I don't know if there necessarily was an ultimate vision. Mm-hmm. It was just uh, I was talking with Tim Draper a while back, and one of the things that we were talking about was how it's so hard for startups to have a, a stage or a voice when they're getting going mm-hmm. um, and trying to get off the ground. And so, you know, there are, there are so many different podcasts and so many different YouTube channels. It's kind of like, well, what could be new and kind of unique that mm-hmm. nobody else is doing? And this was like a year and a half ago, two mm-hmm. years ago now. And it was like, well, putting GoPros in the Tesla Model X and filming that could be really mm-hmm. neat, right? You could have interview the passenger and then have four people in the back joining in on the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of the inception mm-hmm. of, hey, let's give this a go. Um, and it has. It's been a blast. I mean, you know, you've been on a few of them. Oh, yeah. And uh, I can't wait to get more of them out because as I rewatch some of them, I mean, it really is just a fun time. Um, no doubt, man. I, I've, I've had so much fun doing that. Yeah, and the stuff I've learned from the show, like getting to sit with these people in the back and just like listening to these questions getting asked. Yeah, it's amazing, and I'm was, very grateful for the opportunity. I was going to say, I I was rewatching the Rick Smith one. I don't know if you remember. Oh, that. I remember that one. His <laughs> was was so Founder good. Of, yeah, uh, Taser of Taser. Now, now I think they renamed to Axon, which is kind of funny. Oh yeah, I but, saw that. Um, I was like, oh, interesting. So, so in in the video, we talk mm-hmm. about it being Taser, but now it's technically right. Axon. Right. Um, and so that one was great. I mean, they they were they've all been great, admittedly. Yeah. Um, I just wish GoPro the GoPros would cooperate a little bit more. That's one of the hardest things to edit is some of the GoPros would cut out and then you're having to resync everything. It's just so tedious. It's way more tedious than I anticipated. But now that I've got three GoPros yeah. that actually work and don't cut out, yeah. you know, knock, knock on wood here, yeah. uh, it, it's been going off smoother with more recent videos. But um, yeah, I mean, like you said, the the kind of ultimate vision for the moment is just to continue to interview people that it seems like they have a story to tell or something to get out there for the world to hear. And the cool thing about YouTube is you can put it up and it's always there. And, uh, you know, unless I decide to take it down for some reason, yeah. Yeah. And it's cool because then people can go reference some of these things that, um, you know, even two, three years from now might still be relevant. Yeah. And that's what that's what we're, yeah. we kind of aim for is to try to talk about things that'll be relevant, no matter the time. Although that doesn't always happen, obviously. But right. um, like Taser Snake, right? Right. Well, yeah. Things you can't the you name can't in particular, thing, yeah. yeah. But I think a lot of what we yeah. talked about on the video with Rick Smith about technology, oh, where it was headed, uh, how to even you know, we jumped around a little bit. Yeah. We talked about how he built Taser. Yeah. He's also getting snap glasses on in that. He did. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. No, they, really is, is Snapchat even selling those anymore? That's actually one of those things, too, that you might look back and go, Snapchat isn't huge, even selling those anymore. They took a huge hit on those. They're looking for yeah. financials. Yeah. Yeah, those were expensive. They invested a lot into that program. And yeah. yeah, he was wearing those at the time. He was Snapchatting the whole thing. I think they were smart. They definitely looked a lot better than a lot of the other smart glasses out there. Oh, no doubt. But, no doubt. Okay, so let's. So, yeah. so the reason you're on this. This podcast, I mean, yeah. not the reason, but you know, it's to promote Startup Week. Definitely, you're talking at it, which is awesome. Which makes sense, as I think everyone understands. I still have to get them some stuff. I think 
dude. So I got a final oh. email. Anyway, maybe we should we'll have gone that later. Right here, but. <laughs> but give us yeah. a little teaser about what you're going to talk about. Yeah, I think the idea is there's going to be six of us in the Model X. We're going to talk about unique marketing ideas and how to get word out about your startup. And what we're going to do is we're going to be live streaming it on YouTube to a room somewhere that we're going to drive to. Oh, you are and then we're going to walk into the room and finish the, you know, with kind of a Q&A. And so we'll start probably 15, 20 minutes out, drive, so live cool. stream it, walk, go into the room. Yeah. So we don't know. This is, this is going to be our first time doing this. You know, it's going to be cool. You might be able to go on the road with this show. Man. Shout out, shout out to, uh, yeah, you and everybody at Phoenix Startup Week who uh, are trusting us to try this because <laughs> it is. I don't think I don't think anybody's tried a live video from a car to where everybody is yeah. to finish the presentation. So it's going to be unique. Are you rehearsals? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, we probably need to try one cold, you know, one, one quick run, run but. Um, I mean, we've been doing it. Dude, I could see you pulling it off in one go, dude. Because if you think about it, we've kind of already done it. The thing we haven't added is the live stream portion. Right. And so I just, I'm fingers crossed that that works kind of as intended. Yeah. Because we all know technology. Yeah, exactly. And so thank thank you to everybody who's trusting us with it. And fingers crossed it goes even semi as planned. But I mean, really looking forward to it. I've been doing the yes or the startup. Uh, week Phoenix probably since I came to town in 2014 or 2015 yeah whenever that first one was and so you're the reason I got into it yeah you're the whole reason that I'm where I am with doing this <laughs> podcast right now yeah because you invited me to the fancy Fridays where I met exactly, Jonathan Cockrell turned into like the SPHX community and <laughs> more or less yeah, it's actually crazy I was we were talking about earlier yeah. looking through some of the pictures in Dropbox and seeing the blasts from the past, I have some pictures from the very first Fancy Friday. Did you really? Uh, it was at it was at Yard House at Fashion Square, I think. Maybe not the very first, but yeah. it was one of the yeah. first ones. And then where Yes PHX actually came to fruition, apparently, was at a Fancy Fridays at Culinary Dropout near the Scottsdale waterfront. Oh. So uh, yeah, it's crazy to look back to some of those pictures, the early days. Right. Of, the SPHX community. That's, so. that's crazy where, we, where we've gotten to. Oh, it's yeah. exciting. Where we're going is even, even more impressive. Yeah. yeah. Big time. What do you think? What do you see Phoenix going as a entrepreneurial community? In yeah. Um, I mean, Phoenix has a lot going for it. The one that everybody always talks about, obviously, is the cost of living. Of course. It uh, does. You know, there are a lot of startups that even if they have headquarters somewhere else, they're moving a big portion of their operations here. Mm -hmm. We've had some pretty big successes that a lot of people don't necessarily think about, which mm -hmm. is cool to see. Mm -hmm. And admittedly, we've got pretty good talent because you know I PayPal so. has some off big offices here. Mm -hmm. Amazon has some big offices. GoDaddy has a lot of technical talent now. Uh, Infusionsoft does. So we've got a fair amount of talent now. And even yeah. ASU and U of A are focusing a lot more on computer science and tech heavy. You've probably seen yeah. a lot of the self-driving ASU cars and obviously we have the Uber cars I and all those. those. Oh really? It doesn't surprise you but I'm surprised they're, they're seen like them. they're unmarked but you can tell they're some sort of like student project because they do not look as official as like the Uber self-driving right. cars or the right. Waymo self-driving cars. Right. So 
Yeah, so ASU is doing quite a bit with with uh, computer science as well, which is cool to see. So, yeah, I mean, Phoenix has a lot going for it as far as that goes. I think the one thing that Phoenix, you know, we really need to work on is we've got to get a few really big wins so there's more capital because there's just yeah. not enough capital to support the amount of the amount of ideas and kind of startups that are being created here. And so capital is, that's the number one thing I hear people having the most trouble with. And Here's so, yeah. And, and so, that's a problem we need to work on somehow fixing. And that's a we tough just, we, one. We discuss this one a lot. Yeah. I think we've had this conversation. Well, because the really one of the only ways to solve it is yeah. to have local investors and right. invest in companies right. So that when those companies have a big win, the money stays here. When you have to raise from people in LA or San Francisco or New York or some of these other places, then when a big win happens, that might feel great for the Phoenix community, but the money ultimately goes back to wherever the capital came from, right? Yeah. And so sure, maybe some of it now will get poured back into Phoenix next time, but it's a lot different if the people investing in Phoenix are actually in Phoenix yeah. so that when they have a win, the capital will stay here. And so we're starting, again, we're starting to see more and more of it, which mm -hmm. is good, but um, we have a long way to go mm -hmm. to truly have the startup scene that people want. Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to compare it to anywhere because I think every startup scene is going to be a little different, right. but just to have a stronger startup scene that people want, we need more of that capital from wins here locally which is a tough thing yeah, it, is. it is but you don't keep water if you all keep at it we'll get there eventually exactly we're on our way and if enough people want it it'll happen well and i mean you already start seeing certain things where yeah. excuse me uh you know people on the national stage are already talking more and more about Phoenix than they ever were back in mm -hmm. 2014. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when we decided to move Free Bike Project here and have it be based out of Scottsdale. Right. At that time, nobody was talking about Phoenix or Scottsdale mm -hmm. on a national stage in any way, shape, or form. No. Now, we have people like Steve Case from Rise of the Rest talking about it. Mm -hmm. We've had, man, I'm blanking on some of their names, but we've had a few different road shows. Paul Singh. Draper has been out here and he has partnerships with uh, ASU. So like we have some really big people starting to look at Phoenix as a, in a big way and starting to put Phoenix on the national stage, which is mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're going to continue to see more and more of that. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, we just got to keep keep chug chugging forward. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. So, so let's go. Let's let's switch it back a little bit. And this uh, this is one of my favorite stories that you have it's so fascinating it's just one of those ones where you're like it's a movie has to be made about it i feel because tell us about how you got 1.5 million in investment from richard branson yeah yeah so it was for the company my social cloud that we were talking about a little bit in the beginning uh started it in at usc and it was a username and password management system that could automatically log you into any website online and there were a few similar out there, but at that time especially, you had you had to like program it specifically for a website to be able to automatically log you in. And at USC, it was crazy because USC had a lot of small websites you had to use that none of the other username or password management systems could log you into. Uh -huh. So we had developed my social cloud, and uh, I had started it 
again at USC just in my dorm room freshman year and started getting a little bit of traction and wanted to see what it might be able to, to become. Mm-hmm. So the summer, I think it was summer of 2011, uh, we, we had tried to get some going more officially the summer of 2010 just after my freshman year, but it wasn't until summer of 2011 mm-hmm. that we really kind of took hold. And there was a tweet by Richard Branson of the Virgin Group saying, hey, I want to meet young entrepreneurs in Miami to hear about what they're up to. And uh, my sister and I reached out Mm. and said, you know, is there still room available? We'd love to do this. And sure enough, his secretary got back and said, hey, if you guys can get the donation together, there was a $2,000 donation required Mm -hmm. per person. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you can get that together and you can get here in 48 hours, we'll save you a spot. That's not a lot of time to prepare for a trip to Miami, let alone get $4,000 when we were, you know, young kind of startup company with not a lot of capital. Oh, right. And so thankfully reached out to my father who was willing to put up the money and he was super skeptical. Again, we had heard about this through Twitter. Yeah. So he was like, you're going to, you're going to, you know, this throw this money away, but you still owe it to me type of thing. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, um, thankfully we knew enough about Twitter and we were able to kind of verify that we knew real, it was actually real brands. Yeah. But um, it was, it was a risk at that time. Again, this yeah. was 2011. Twitter wasn't well, that's how you went out to quite as like, big. How that risk yeah. paid out, which we'll learn about in a minute. Yeah. And so anyway, we, uh, we made it happen. We got to Miami. We were some of the last ones to show up to the Versace Mansion, which actually ended up playing in our favor because since we were the last ones there, we were kind of right next to the door. Uh-huh. And so right as soon as Branson walked in, we were the first ones that we started talking to. And so we were just kind of telling him what wow. we were up to, telling him a little bit about our past. You know, okay. I told him Man. about the open table. Hold on one second. I'm just curious. Why were you late? Why were you a little bit late? Well, I wouldn't say we were, we weren't late. I'm not sure, like, we well, just were, were later or, than everybody else we later, because saying. we land. I mean, it, we had to get there in 48 hours. Our plane landed yeah. a few hours before this Were dinner. you frustrated? Were you a little nervous? A little. How are you feeling? I mean, I, more, <laughs> more nervous because, it, because I wasn't sure if we were going to be late or not. And it was right. like, you know, definitely don't want to be late for this opportunity, especially now that we're already here. Yeah. You know, don't want to yeah. lose out. Yeah. And so... Um, but no, I mean, once we got there, it was a very laid back scene, uh, very casual. It was kind of funny. I think my sister and I were the only ones under 21 at that time. So it was supposed to be like cocktails and everything, uh-huh. but it was like, here we were, you know, 20 and I think she was 19 or 18. And so, you know, not even technically old enough to drink. And it was just crazy. We, we were by far the youngest ones. In that the is world. crazy. And, um, but he gave us quite a bit of time. And do you think that might have played into it a little bit more because you're like kind of stood out maybe maybe right there and he's yeah. like well this is interesting like yeah. you obviously somehow made it happen like let me talk to you yeah 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 and I and I think you know our story resonated again I had started a nonprofit when I was pretty young mm-hmm. he had started a nonprofit when he was pretty young mm-hmm. um, there were just different things that I think he saw a little bit of his early ambitions in us and what we were doing and so. Uh, after we were talking to him, he ended up kind of inviting us to stay throughout the weekend and join in a few of these other festivities to celebrate the 25th anniversary anniversary of Virgin Atlantic. Mm. And so we ended up going to a few other parties with him and his friends, some brunches. I mean, it was just a great time hanging out. Can you and tell me about one of the parties? 
Uh, I mean, there's not too much to say on record. Um, there was one with them or something. Yeah, then there was one party in particular that was cool. It was, I think, one of the last parties that we had um, where we actually met Ellie Goulding, which was really neat. So that before really neat. she was, it was funny too because I think we were introduced to her as yeah. like, oh this, you know, young up and coming artist from the UK, like nobody knew who she was at the time. And then I think it was her song Lights got popular like three or four months later and it was like, holy shit. I love like that we, song. we heard that. It was so weird. We heard that at one of his parties and now it's like number one. It was just kind of surreal. Um I would say so because I was listening to that song. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Oh yeah, everybody was after yeah. that. And so it was kind of fun. So we met, we met them at those parties as well. And the final party had fireworks over Miami Beach and kind of hanging out with a lot of different people. His friends mm-hmm. um, had some Lamborghinis there, which was fun. Okay. Um, although we didn't get to drive them that time. Later, that time? <laughs> la- later on, we got to race Maseratis. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that's a different story for a different day. Yeah, that, um, let's, let's keep going. Okay, so, so you go to so, this thing. You meet him. It's awesome. You, he's you, you, you're, you're talking to him. You tell him about your idea. Yeah. He says, well, and so the biggest thing was he said, let's stay in touch afterwards. Mm-hmm. And we were working on a version two of our platform. Mm-hmm. So the idea was, Hey, let me know when version two is available. We'd love to take a look. Mm-hmm. So we got back to LA and we were working on version two. We probably had a few weeks left for version two, mm-hmm. but we figured this is Richard Branson. It's going to take him a while to get anybody out here, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted to come out and do a code review and meet the team and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so after about a week of being back in LA, we said, hey, we're ready. Thinking we'd still have an extra week or two for them to actually come out, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But sure enough, they were like, okay, we'll have somebody out there Monday. And I was like, uh, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so we were racing that weekend to tidy up some of the code, to finish up you know, some of these things we were really wanting in version two so that when his, one of his kind of business partners, Jerry Murdoch came out with his team, they could vet the software in a way that would be meaningful. And so thankfully we were able to push really hard. We got a lot done. Obviously, you know, like a lot of early software, there were things that we had to improve with it, but it was good enough that when Jerry came out with his team, uh, they said, this is really awesome what you guys are working on. We love the vision direction. We love the technology that you guys already have. Let's let's make this happen. And so literally in under a month, uh, we we ended up getting one to one and a half million dollars from Richard Branson, Jerry Murdoch, and then Alex Welch, who was the founder of Photobucket, ended mm-hmm. up joining in as well. And the three of them became our first or not our first investors, but really our first kind of seat, you know, big time seed investors. I would say that's pretty and, big time. And <laughs> um, became mentors. I mean, yeah. I'm still in touch with most amazing. of them to this day. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it was incredible. I'll never forget it. It was at Shutters, Shutters on the Bay. I think that's the name anyway. Um, I, I remember the location in mm-hmm. Santa Monica mm-hmm. uh, that we had dinner and what kind of hammered out the final details and, yeah, we were off to the races then. And what did you do, what did you do when you like after that meeting? Where did you go? What were you feeling? That's a good question. I should maybe look back remember? at some of the pictures. <laughs> did you go back no, it was it was kind of surreal. I mean, I don't. I, I think we. I mean, I I really do. I think we were in the office quite a bit. Um, 
trying to figure out the next steps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my CTO and I, Shiv, we knew that we had a lot of work to start doing. We knew we had to start growing a team. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we just knew that we had a lot to now make happen. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the biggest thing at that time, too, was figuring out how we grow and scale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really, it was really hard, especially back then, to, to go out and get work, get publicity, um, get users, things of that nature. Yeah, Thankfully, yeah. we had a, a college strategy, so it was really interesting. I saw some of the numbers from some of our early college strategy. Um, we had these like codes that they could use to sign up, mm-hmm. and so we got thousands of students through that, which was yeah. cool. Where did you push um, it out to? Where did you push these codes out to? Just through college campus initiatives. So we'd have these campus ambassadors oh, right. that would go around talking about what my social cloud was, handing out flyers so and codes and everything. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So Remarkable. Remarkable. Yeah. And then two years later-ish, we were acquired by Reputation.com up in the Bay Area. And uh, that was my history. And then you started Command R. Free well, bike project. Well, free bike, right. Free bike yeah. next. So let's talk about Command, Command R. Command R was kind of started around the same time. Yeah, they were similar. Um, well, they weren't similar. No, they're not. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, yeah. okay. Very, very clear. Completely different businesses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, similar time is what yeah. I was trying to say. Yeah. yeah. No, Free Bike Project did college campus advertising. Right. Two of my buddies had started it at USC. Right. And my social cloud was actually one of their first advertisers. So mm-hmm. that's how I got in touch with them. And uh, got to know one of the guys, Kim, really well. Uh-huh. And so, what? I love Kim. He's a good dude. Yeah, I was going to say, you met Kim quite yeah. a few times probably. And so loved what they were up to and ended up joining them and kind of helping run Free Bike Project. And then around that same time, we had kind of started Command R just as a more umbrella company to be able to do experiments and help people with their technology and do some different consulting stuff. And we actually had Command Our Consulting, Command Our Labs, and Command Our Capital. Mm-hmm. Um, so the consulting side, obviously, helping people with consulting from technology mm-hmm. and kind of team growth point of view, Command Our Labs to do a few different experiments, mm-hmm. and then Command Our Capital to do some investments. Mm-hmm. And so those are really umbrellas. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're, we still run a lot of different things through them. Right. Um, and yeah. I saw one of your questions was what's the vision for that. I think yeah. right now the idea is just to continue to be able to use it where necessary to assist people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of go from there. What's what would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, I think the best piece was just after we had gotten an investment from Richard Branson. He he reminded me that. I had to take care of myself because if I didn't take care of myself, I couldn't help take care of the teams that I was trying to run. Wow. And so, which is an interesting thing. And yeah, he's I very, very right true. about that. You know, if, if you're not healthy, both physically and mentally, how can you help those around? How can you, you know, be stable for those around you? Mm-hmm. Right. And so something I take um, very strongly to heart. Yeah. And so what are you doing? What are some things you're doing to stay healthy? Uh, I'm kind of failing in that category right now, <laughs> but when I lived in like LA and San Francisco, I would try to swim. I had gym memberships uh-huh. where I would try to swim in the morning. Uh, I used to swim back when I was at Brophy College Prep, uh-huh. so love swimming. Um, and I'm trying to get back into that now. Okay. Uh, there's... Some new ideas, some new love doing. Yeah. 
there's a, a gym in Scottsdale that has a pretty good pool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm trying to get back into that. I haven't fully gotten back into that yet, though. All right. But, All right. yeah. All right, cool. Working on it. What are some other, like, systems in your life that you've implemented? Systems. Or habits? That's a good question. I have a lot of them. I know you know. I know you do. <laughs> but you, they're, they're a, lot, a lot of them are more fluid. Sure. Trying to still work on them. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, obviously, the one system I think you were alluding to earlier is I pretty much dress the exact same every day, uh-huh. which just eliminates the you know one extra decision I have to make in the morning. Right. I have my kind of dress shoes that are super beat up right now because I wear them every morning. Uh-huh. Um, I have new. my kind of dark blue jeans and then my black uh, black polo. Um, I don't do the black T-shirt thing. I'm all about the polo. The polo. <laughs> I've, I've yeah, always worn. I've always worn colored shirts. A lot of people ask me like, "Why the colored shirt?" I just like at, in high school. Yeah. There, I used to wear T-shirts all the time before high mm-hmm. school. But then at Brophy, you had to wear a colored shirt every day. Mm-hmm. I got into that rhythm, and yeah. it's one of those things. I think Warren Buffett said, or some maybe somebody else said it, but he echoed it, which is. The chains of habit are too light to be felt until they are too heavy to be broken. Great. And so that's just, that's a chain of habit that is, it's, it's been committed Uh to, yeah, that kind of habit part of my mind where I just always wear colored shirts. The one exception is when I'm working out. But aside from (laughs) that, that, would be a little weird. (laughs) Aside from that, everyone might think I'm a little weird for not like kind of being weirded out. I don't, this isn't the way to say this at all. There's a better way to say this. But I kind of do the same thing because I get the necessity of simplicity mm-hmm. and not having to have that extra thing in your mind yeah. to worry about every day so yeah. you can focus on the things that are really important. Because that's what we have to do primarily as business owners, business yeah. people, is clear our minds from the clutter and focus on what's really important. And like totally. what I'm wearing every day, it's important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just kind of the importance of looking good and feeling good. Um, but there's a way you can construct it where it doesn't have to be an extra thing to think about every day. Right. Well, and I, for, I don't know how true this is, mm-hmm. but it sounded good. And so, okay. <laughs> and, and there's probably some yeah. truth to it. I don't know. Yeah. But I had heard something about how, you know, if you think about it, our minds are kind of like computers. Sure. And we can only make so many decisions in a given day. Right. After that, we're literally like not capable of making more decisions mm-hmm. or our mind makes really bad decisions. Right. So the more you can commit to memory or to to being a habit, your mind treats that in a different way, and it's not really making a decision. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to worry about what shoes am I going to wear, yeah. what pants am yeah. I going to wear, what shirt am I going to wear. Yeah. I just I wear the yeah. same damn thing every day you know what I kind for of, now. Yeah. And so you know, a lot of people ask me, "Will I do that forever?" I have no idea. Yeah. But for right now, it's, it's what I'm doing, and it works. Yeah. It's kind of like I like to attribute it to. You know, in, in sports, like football, you have uh, exercises that you do. And to get the mm-hmm. rhythm and the motion, that's what it is. It's, it's priming it and programming your, sub, your subconscious, right? Yeah. So you don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not a decision to throw the ball. It's move, throw the ball, right? You know how to throw the ball. Yeah. Similar thing, but like in more of a business context, we're like dressing every day. Mm-hmm. is kind of that getting you in that rhythmic motion of totally. I don't have to think about it. So I know what to do later on in like when I'm in the game, which is maybe a business meeting yeah. or you're like getting hard into some code or some kind of design totally. work or well, and that's, conversation. Well, and that's, this is going to maybe 
capture a few different things that we've talked about, but that's why even in business, you know, committing to building processes that become habit is so important. Right. So one of the companies or you know, I'm working right now a lot with a company Sourcely. Mm-hmm. I think you know them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what I've been working with them there on is how do we start building better processes? Mm-hmm. Now I'm focused on the technology side of that. So right. how can we make sure we're building processes from a technology point of view mm-hmm. that allow us to do some of the higher level thinking, the harder things mm-hmm. that other people in the industry might not be doing. Right. Right? right. And so from a business point of view, the more you can commit these things to habit for everybody, especially the repetitive stuff, the more you can open up everybody's kind of time and thought processes to the really innovative stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think from a business point of view, the more, as as much as some people I think in the startup world don't like trying to do it because then it feels repetitive and it feels like, oh, we're becoming a corporation. But it's like, that's what allows you to innovate then. If you Absolutely. have to worry about the mundane mm-hmm. for your business, mm-hmm. you're never going to grow. Mm-hmm. You have to get certain things committed to habit so that everybody on your team is running mm-hmm. kind of to the same beat yep. so that then you can take the extra mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. to think about yeah. the innovative stuff that's going to push the business forward. And that's, and that's hard yeah. because a lot of people you – know, I, I saw this as far back as even yeah. the open table to a certain yeah. degree where – a lot of people are so nervous. They're like, well, I feel like I need to be doing something. And they don't then spend that time to just stop and kind of think about their business in uh-huh. a way uh-huh. that allows them to grow or do something new that they yeah. might need yeah. to keep their competitive and that could take the next level, right? Yeah. And, and so, also, it not to... I'm just going with the football analogy right now, right? sports analogies. I don't know. I've been, I've been really into watching that, that time with Tim or whatever. Do you ever see that on Facebook? It's on Facebook's no. uh, you know, like TV channel. Oh, part of the I haven't seen that. No. It's it pretty good. It's about his like him getting into the mindset and hit, what he's about and who he is as a person, not just a football player. Yeah. So it's got to be you know, like connecting those kind of like football to business and how they can kind of how you can draw lessons out from that show. Yeah. But anyhow, like doing these systems and putting things into your business are kind of like making the plays in a sense. Yeah. That you're gonna kind of routinely do, and so you can kind of know, all right, we're running this play, right? Like, yeah. All right. Um, what's our what's our sales strategy? How do we how do we routinely get someone through the pipeline into like a sale? Hundred percent. Here's here's our play. All right, go sales team marketing. Go execute that. Boom. Yeah. And then you kind of just you can get into rhythm with other people too because you all are speaking the same language. Yeah. Instead of other people kind of all over. Your and you have to to be able to grow. Of course. Because it, when you're hiring on people, yeah. if those processes and systems aren't in yeah. place. It's chaos. They get frustrated and, and they're like, and, oh, and some people you have to deal with that a little bit when you're course. a startup, right? Of course. But the more you can you can build so that you don't have to worry as much about that, mm-hmm. the faster you're gonna be able to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more the faster you're gonna be able to onboard people. I mean, even big companies have trouble onboarding people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it can take months to do so, right? Yeah. And and these are some big companies that you know, have a lot of processes and systems in yeah. place, but they're still, you know, to it some to some extent, the pendulum might have swung too far, where yeah. maybe they have too many systems and processes in place yeah. that they have to teach everybody. But it the the point is, the more you can systemize and turn into processes, the better, yeah. so that people can focus on the things that are going to assist in growing your business. Love it, man. So it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. 
So, all right. all right. So I have one more question, and then we'll we'll end it. Sounds good. You have, as we talked about, a couple a Rolodex of some interesting people that you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious, man. Like, who's who do you think? Who, who do you feel? I don't even want to necessarily say who's the most interesting, but who's kind of the most interesting? They're all the most. They all are very interesting. <laughs> but what's the one that like you're kind of that just like got you really excited when you're about to meet them or met them? That I mean, that's an impossible thing to answer. All right, it really yeah. is, unfortunately. Um, I mean, as you know, probably spending the time with the Musk family in LA, right. just because he's so all over the news lately. Yeah. It's kind of eye-opening yeah. uh, and kind of surreal to be like, spend time with them. Um, it's real to me that I know you and how much time you've spent <laughs> with him. He's going to be yeah. probably one of the biggest people in history. I really think yeah, if he pulls off everything he's planning to pull off, yeah. especially with what he just did. He just launched, yeah. for you, those, well, I talked about in the last episode with you of it, the Falcon Heavy. Yeah. Yep. just launched, which is the biggest rocket in history to be sent in, in yeah. space. And it came down and just like Oh, the dual, the dual landing. I mean, I can't wow. even get started on that. Man. That was incredible to see that. It was like, what just happened? Dude, you could not have asked for a perfect dual landing. And I mean, it would have made, yeah. it would have been amazing if they had the trifecta with the sea landing as well, but right. it's hard. What they're, what they're doing, people said it was like scientifically literally impossible. And of course, it's not. And yeah. here they are doing it they now. Did. He finds the impossible. He's like, nah, I'm, I'm, I yeah. think it's doable. Yeah. We just like work through the problem. Yeah. You talk about how hard it was. And yeah. How you're just like, I didn't even know if it was going to happen. Like, I didn't yeah. plan on it. Yeah. That's remarkable. So, him, I mean, Tony, Tony Shea from Zappos, who's, who favorite. doesn't get a lot of recognition, I think. One but he was, he was. Yeah, I would say Jeff Bezos is the most underrated entrepreneur, but that's a whole separate discussion. But Tony Shea, because when I met him in 2014 for the Teal Summit in downtown Las Vegas, yeah. um, got to sit with him for a little bit. And one of the things that he talked to me about was to keep track of every minute of your day. And so for almost a full two years, I had an Evernote experiment that I was publicly keeping track of everything yeah, I was doing. I have access to that. I was going to say, I think some, somebody, I mentioned it on another podcast and somebody was like, I was able to still find it. So it's still out there. Probably. I'm going to go look at that after this. <laughs> and um, and so I was keeping, uh, you know, I was, I was regimenting, not even regimenting, I was keeping track of everything I was doing and what that opened me up to. And it's hard because you have to be brutally honest with yourself, right? Yes. And so it was like, even if I got, just if I got caught. Real quick, the discipline that course. it takes to and do that, that every day. And that's what I mean. Like I've tried and I keep not consistently doing the it. The discipline to stick with it and the discipline yeah. to be honest with yourself. Yeah. Because yeah. what happens is, so there were times that I would admittedly go on Facebook or Twitter and get lost for a few hours, right? Yeah, man. And, <laughs> and so you have to then document that. And yeah. that's what open, opened my eyes the yeah. most was like how much time I was spending on Twitter. Right. And in some scenarios, especially back then for yeah. Free Bike Project, I was on Twitter and Facebook responding to people, you know, our campus business. ambassadors and all like that. You had to be on there. Yeah. But you get sucked into it. But you get sucked into it. And tough. that's the thing. You yeah. end up spending a lot more time than you realize. And so what it allowed me to do was I started segmenting my time a lot better. Where it's like, okay, I'm only going to respond to Campus Ambassadors for an hour now. Uh -huh. And at the end of the hour, I'd cut it off. Wow. And so I knew I couldn't get lost because I only had an hour to respond. Yeah. 
and I wanted to respond to as many as possible. And then similarly, and you know, this is unpopular with some people, but for email, I only respond to emails during a certain time of the day now. Yeah. And that's what that got me accustomed to because so many people are always like doing something. They pop into their email, see if they've gotten any emails, and then they go back. Yeah. And that wastes so much time. It really does, doesn't and, it? And as painful as it might be because we're all looking for that like hit of dopamine of mm. I got a new email, I got to respond. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's a huge waste of time. And so literally every day wow. I, I only have – well, I think I've opened it up to three now, but I really only have two times a day that I'll check email and respond to email. And so if you have to wait, like if, if you have to get in touch with me urgently, yeah. you have to call me. And and if you call me and you're calling me from a number you don't know, you have to leave me a voicemail. I do not respond at all to phone calls now that I don't recognize. Oh, either because most of them have been. Oh, it's nuts. I get, I, get, I get probably 10 to 15 calls a day now from just unknown numbers. And most yeah. of it is like, yeah, it's spam. a spam or something. Yeah. Oh, so, and then sometimes it's not, but oftentimes yeah. if yeah. it's not, they leave a voicemail and I know to call and them back. And now you're um, not put on the spot with certain things where you're like, well, I was not ready for that call. Yeah. Well, and again, it's just, if I were to answer all 15 of those calls when most of them are spam, the I'd be on the phone for easily a half hour to an hour a day yeah. of wasted time. Right. And... And then that's breaking my mental flow, yeah. right? I, yeah. I yeah. always keep my phone yeah. uh, a certain distance from me now when I'm working wow. so that it doesn't break my mental flow. So that it's that's not like so I hear a text message, I got to respond. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. Actually, I started this about six months ago. Yeah. My phone is always in do not disturb mode. Really? So I actually, there are, very, there are certain scenarios that now yeah. I'll hear the phone vibrate, yeah. but you have to be in my address book when you call for me to even hear the vibration, right. I don't hear any text messages anymore. I don't hear when email goes off. Like I don't get notifications for any of that because it's in do not disturb mode. Mm -hmm. And that way, again, it allows me to segment it. Because if you hear it, you're like consciously or subconsciously, yeah. you're like, I got to go check that yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. And so putting my phone in yeah. do not disturb mode has been... I did Probably something the similar. Other biggest thing. I turned off a lot of my notifications. I don't get any Facebook notifications on my phone. Same. Yeah. Uh, I still do get text and email. Right. But I, I think I gotta turn them off because I always get back to it. I'm always pulling my phone out to check it. Yeah. Like there's never a time I'm not doing that. Yeah. But I don't need the notification necessarily to be to be like, oh, I gotta check that. Especially if I'm in a conversation oh. like this. Like my phone has actually gone off a couple times during this yeah. conversation. Mine and hasn't gone like, oh, off once. I gotta check that, you know, like later after the thing. <laughs> and it's just, it's a distraction. Even though I'm in the conversation, it pulls me away if okay. I'm deep in it. Let's see. My, my phone hasn't gone off once, but I probably have. Oh, not as many as usual, but I have a number of notifications. Oh, I'm wow. actually really surprised. Mine, so I don't know if you've seen, what? I'm on the old iOS, so if I have more than five notifications, they all get bundled down here. Look at how there are a ton back behind there. Ooh, that's but I can't good. actually see them. It's the like old that. iOS that I'm on. That's why. Why haven't so, you updated? Uh, I'm just nervous too, admittedly. Oh, I don't even get cell service here at your house. That's interesting. I have really bad service here. It's kind of frustrating. I get no service here. Okay. Well, that's part of it too. So I've gotten no notifications. Yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> or not as many as usual. <laughs> but they're um, not getting to you. Yeah. So. Um, cool, man. Yeah, well, so those are a few processes. I love it. It's great talking to you, as always. Likewise. Uh, let's say someone wants to say hello. If they're really cool, maybe potentially hire you. 
Uh, well, right now I'm not hireable. Oh, he's not hireable. <laughs> yeah. Not even for consulting gigs. You're, you're nope. Booked. Oh, he's well, at the moment. So maybe a couple. Maybe they hear this in two years. Yeah. Okay. In that <laughs> case, reach out. Um, the best ways to reach yeah. out to me are I'm Scott Ferreira on pretty much every platform: Facebook, you Instagram, Twitter, Medium. Yeah, Scott Ferreira, pretty much anywhere. Or um, I've I've said. Guaranteed, if you hand write me a letter, because almost nobody does that anymore. That's the way, man. If you hand write me a letter, way. I guarantee a response of some sort. So the address that you can send that to is 6929 North Hayden Road, number 404, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85250. And you can find that number on my website or a few different places. But if you hand write me a letter or just send me a snail mail, I will respond to that. And I've actually had a few That's people awesome. do that so far, which is funny. So, really? Oh, yeah. That's really cool that people are like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, I'm trying to remember. I'd give them a shout-out by name, but since mm -hmm. we haven't pre-approved it, I'm not going that's to. Fair. But, that's yeah. fair. Uh, but that's the way, guys. I mean, if there's like a high school kid out there mm -hmm. looking to meet someone that could give them a lot of knowledge, mm -hmm. I would shoot Scott a letter if exactly. I were you. Because I'm very grateful to have this, this person as my friend. Mm -hmm. and I appreciate it. Likewise. I'm excited for your talk, man. I'll be there, of course. Can't wait. Cool. What? What day is my talk, actually? I don't even oh, know. Oh, good question. Sure. Yeah, when is your talk? Well, it'll be online somewhere for her okay, Phoenix Startup Week, but check yeah. the website and we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, looking forward to being back on and seeing what's changed in the future. Definitely. Awesome. That concludes this episode. Thank you for joining us today. Catch you next time on YesPHX Presents.